The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. Well, good morning. Um, uh, I think Emily looked it up last night. Our last time I was here was March 14th in 2010. And uh, I remember uh, we were excited uh, to church plant and uh, not knowing what that was going to all entail. Uh, you guys actually had a, a big part in us getting launched. We, uh, you guys did our financial oversight for the first couple of years of our church until we got uh, on our own on that. And uh, it was an exciting time uh, when I was uh, last here. Uh, the girls were uh, seven and five at the time. And uh, uh, they were excited about being a part of a church plant as well. I, I made sure that Hope understood that she was as big of a part of the church plant as I was because if kids came to children's ministry and they didn't like it, then guess what? Mom and dad weren't coming back either. And uh, so uh, they, were, they were excited to be a part of that. And uh, uh, we uh, <coughs> got off to Calgary in September, and, or sorry, in, uh, in May of 2010, and then launched our church in, uh, in September of that year. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then something happened to us uh, about 15 months later after that, an affliction that we never would have had dreamed about, never thought about. And uh, this morning's message is called, When I Am Lonely and Afflicted. The word for afflicted in the Hebrew is, is to be brought low and to be humbled. There's all different kinds of ways that, that can happen in our lives uh, through physical pain, through uh, the loss of life, through, uh, through financial difficulties. And, and maybe you're in an affliction right now today. And in an affliction, there's a loneliness that's associated with it. Uh, only you know your thoughts. Only you know your emotions that you're going through, the, 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 the pain that you're experiencing. And probably the worst thing that someone could say to you is, to, I know exactly how you feel. Uh, not real encouraging words, because there is a sense in that you, know, you feel all alone in it. You, 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 there is no one who can truly know. And even though you know in your mind that God knows, even that he seems uh, distant at times. Uh, you wonder, especially those of us who are strong on the sovereignty of God, we begin to say, okay, well, if God is sovereign, then why is this happening? Why hasn't he taken me out of this trial? And so there's a loneliness in, in the sense that you feel like even God has gone from you. Uh, David, King David, knew what it was to be lonely and afflicted. In Psalm 25, in verses 16 to 18, he says this, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. And David, he sought the Lord in his loneliness and affliction. I want to encourage all of us here this morning that if you are, if you are afflicted, if you're lonely today, that you would seek the Lord 
Uh, I know, I don't know you, but I know this about you, that either you have been in affliction and loneliness, you are currently in loneliness and affliction, or you're about to be in affliction and loneliness. This world is full of trouble, and, uh, and yet our God is faithful. And I want to look at that this morning. Let me pray before we do. Lord God, we are so thankful that we have this opportunity to gather together this morning. God, I'm mindful of the fact that you know every heart here today. And maybe some are here for the first time. Lord, you know them. Lord, you know everyone. Lord, you know the weeks that we've had, whether they be good or bad. Lord, you, you know the, the, the thinking that we have. You, you know our emotions. Lord, you know everything about us. Lord, you're the one who knit us together in the womb. And Lord, you're the one who is with us continually every moment of every day. And so, God, we look to you to lead us and to guide us in this time. Lord, would you encourage our hearts? Would you strengthen our hearts? Lord, would you help us to think like you think? Lord, would you lead us by your Holy Spirit? Lord, we don't want to leave in the same way that we came here this morning. We want to be more like you. And so, Lord, use this preacher now, we pray. Amen. Well, in over the last five and a half years, the Lord has... Uh, taught us several things, and as we go through the story this morning, I'm going to be hopping around from different, to different scriptures, and we're not going to, usually it's like verse by verse, exegetical kind of preaching, but this morning is going to be a little bit different as I share our story about what God has taught us. Uh, really three commands, I believe, that he has enforced on our hearts, I want us to understand. Uh, first is to cry out to Jesus in prayer, and uh, cry out to Jesus in prayer. We we pray, but have we ever cried out to him in prayer? Secondly, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, embrace the body of Christ. These are the three commands that I want us to understand as we go through our story of our life this morning. I believe that no matter where you're at today, these things are applicable for you and uh, as we go through it, you're going to notice that I'm not going to go uh, cry out to Jesus in prayer and then those three points and then, and then uh, uh, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to be kind of like all over the place. So it's kind of messy, just kind of like life is messy, right? So you just follow with me. I'm sure the team will do a great job of leading us and putting up uh, on the points there. But I, um, if I could have anything this morning, my prayer for you would be that your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ would be strengthened today. That if you're trusting in anything or anyone else other than Jesus, that you would repent of that. God would be gracious to you and that you would learn to, to trust in him and him alone. Well, our story uh, of, of our trial began in December of 2011. And uh, Hope had a tonsillectomy, uh, December 12th. Uh, maybe some of you have had them. Maybe your children have had tonsillectomy. It's not a big deal. And so we had the, the surgery on the 12th. Uh, Hope was recovering on the 13th, and then uh, early in the morning on the 14th, about 5.30, Hope had uh, got sick. Uh, she had thrown up, and uh, Heather had uh, had the flu, and I was beginning to get the flu. We were hoping Hope was not getting the flu as well, and we just said, you know what? We're not doing anything tomorrow. We're just going to sleep as long as we can, and uh, Gabby can stay home from school. That's, that's the plan. And we woke up about nine. I woke up for uh, reasons of the flu, and I went to take care of that issue. And uh, uh, Heather could hear uh, Hope breathing funny. 
And uh, it sounded like she, almost like a coffee percolator. She had some congestion going on. And so Heather, being a nurse, said, I, I need to just go down and have her cough that out. And um, so she went down. And when she got to her, her lips, Hope's lips were blue. And uh, she was unresponsive. And so she cried out to me to, to call 911. I called them. And, and they came. And they uh, established an airway for Hope and got her into the ambulance. And I remember getting into the car with Gabby. Uh, Heather went with the, uh, the ambulance. And I remember just thinking, like, Lord, what's, what's going on? And I, had a, I called a friend and asked them to start praying. And I thought, okay, well, she's with the paramedics. Everything will be fine. I, I, like, who knows what's going on, but I'm sure everything will be fine. By the time I got to the hospital, uh, I learned that Hope, on her way to the hospital, had had a heart attack. Her heart had been out anywhere from between 10 and 12 minutes. But they had got it going again, and she was in the ICU by the time we got there. That whole day, her heart and lungs were just really struggling. They had her lungs on an oscillator just to try to keep them going, and her heart just kind of kept coming, uh, go, coming and going. And, and so finally that evening, uh, the doctor came to us, and she just said, I think Hope needs a, a heart and lung bypass. I think it's her only chance. It's very risky, but it's her only chance. So we, we went to the room and uh, we kissed Hope, uh, not knowing if it was going to be the last time we see her alive. She was still unconscious at that point. And uh, we went and we prayed. And a couple hours later, they came and they told us that the surgery had been successful and that now they needed to fly her to Edmonton. We had, they told us all this beforehand, but now they were going to fly her to Edmonton. And just to get her from the, the, the stretcher that she was on to the other stretcher to transport her took her an hour and a half with just all those tubes and, and, uh, and everything that she was hooked up to. When we got up to uh, Edmonton about 5.30 the next morning, and that whole day, Hope's health never really improved a whole lot. Uh, the heart and lung bypass was doing its job, but Hope continued to be unconscious and uh, the doctor came and he did his rounds around seven o'clock that night. And he said, yeah, you know, everything looks okay. And Heather being a nurse, she was like, no, things are, things are not okay. Uh, what, like, just tell us the truth. And he said, well, I could tell you that she has a 10% chance or 20% chance, but she has a chance. And so, and so they, uh, as he left, I, I remember it just, it just hitting me again, that, that we, could, we could still lose hope, that she could still die. And, and, I, and I was just broken by that. And I was, it's always kind of the person, like you go to the doctor, they figure out the problem, you go home. I mean, that's how it works, right? And, and, um, and, but, but the fact that after all that she had been through, that she could still die, I mean, I just, it, just, it just brought me to my knees. And I remember saying to Heather, God picked the wrong guy. God picked the wrong guy. I can't, I can't handle this. And those are so true words. I mean, still today, the only reason I'm standing here this morning is because of the strength and the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Only through him can we get through times of trial. Which leads me to our first point. Cry out to Jesus in prayer. Cry out in humility. Have you ever really cried out to the Lord in prayer? I mean, we often, 
we'll have our prayer requests and it's kind of like a, you know, a checklist. God, if you could just do this, this, and this, and check, 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 and we amen. And, and, but there's no passion. There's no, there's no like crying out to God like we see in the Psalm, Psalm 88, 1. Oh Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Psalm 130, verse one, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. When we cry out to the Lord, there's something different about what's going on when we're crying out to him. It's at that point where you realize that he is God and you are not. It's at that point where you realize there's really nothing I can do about this situation. I mean, I knew there was nothing I could do. But really, that is our reality on a daily basis, isn't it? That only in Christ can we do anything, but it's not until we get to these points where we finally realize, God, you are God, and if, Lord, you don't show up, I don't know what's going to happen. And so we cried out to the Lord for hope. And so I, after praying with Heather, I grabbed my Bible and I went into the room where hope was. And I was reminded that we need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to trust his word, that we need to trust his word. After Jesus had preached one of the best sermons this world has ever known on the Sermon on the Mount, he ended his sermon with these words in Matthew 7, 24 and 25. It says, therefore, it says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. A storm had come in our life and the, the winds were blowing and the rains had come and I didn't know what was going to happen next, but I did know this, that if we trusted in the word of the Lord, that that would be enough, that his word is the rock. It is the most sure thing that we have in this life, his word. And so I, I grabbed my Bible and I, and I just said, Lord, I, I desperately need to hear from you. And so I opened my Bible and I as I opened, I, I don't even know how I got there, to be honest. I, I just said, God, I really need to hear from you. And I looked down, and it was Psalm 25, the psalm that I already read a portion of this morning about, about Paul, uh, sorry, David's affliction that he was going through. And it says this in verse 1, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I was like, yes, Lord. I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. And those words just pierced my heart and, I, and the Lord just said, just trust me. And if you put your trust in me, you will not be put to shame. And I want to tell you this morning that I, that didn't mean that I thought everything was going to work out. It didn't mean that I, that I knew what was going to happen to hope. But it, what it did mean was that if I would just put my trust in him, that I would not be put to shame. It would, I would not regret the fact that I put my trust in him. And so the night continued and... Uh, and the next day, as prayers were going up literally all over the world by this point, 
that social media can be a good thing, apparently, and, um, and, and prayer was going up all over the world. The next morning, everything has changed for Hope's condition. Her heart and lungs just started working and, and so much so that they had to continue to cut back on what the machine was doing to the point where they finally just said, we need to take her off by noon. You know, it had that sense, okay, Lord, that was like a really good lesson we learned. Like, let's go home now. And, and, uh, and Hope started moving, still not conscious, but, but starting to move. And so they, 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 they put her uh, arms in some straps so she wouldn't pull out all the, all the different wires and uh, tubes that were still connected to her. And, uh, and so they, they um, this was Friday, uh, Saturday, uh, recovery continues. Sunday, they're going to fly us back to Calgary for, uh, for her uh, continued recovery. And uh, as Heather was at bedside with Hope, she she just seen her thumb have this rhythmic pattern like this. And so she pointed out to the nurse and they said, yeah, okay, that could be a sign that maybe Hope has, has stru- suffered a bit of a brain injury as a result of her, uh, um, of her heart attack. And so they, they uh, did a CT scan and, and that, that confirmed it, that there was some areas in her brain that, that looked like maybe they had taken a hit. And again, we're saddened to hear this new information and the Lord was gracious and again reminded me to put our trust in him, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his character. Trust his character. Again, as I prayed, I turned to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. It says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. If you know anything about Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet. He had all kinds of trials in his life. None of us here would like to change, trade lives with him. He had a very difficult life. But he says this, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. I thought if there's any guy who knows what it is to have hope in a difficult circumstance, it's Jeremiah. He says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Harvest, when does the steadfast love of the Lord end? It never ends. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. When do his mercies come to an end? They never come to an end. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. No matter where you're at this morning, I want to encourage you to wait upon the Lord. He is good. And he is using these things for good in your life. Not necessarily what you and I would want, but he's using it for your salvation, to make you more like him, to bring glory to himself. You need to cling to these words that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Those words were a rock to me again and again as we went through the last five and a half years. For you who doubt the steadfast love of the Lord, you just need to look to the cross. Look to the cross. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you and I. He came, he lived the perfect life. He came as a servant. Our God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, for one purpose, our salvation. 
And he came and he, he hung on that cross. And as he hung there, my sins, your sins were placed upon him. And then the wrath of God was poured out on him. On the third day, he rose again. He defeated sin and death. Our God's love is steadfast. He loves you right now as much as he's ever loved you or will ever love you. His love is remaining for you continually. And don't doubt his love. Just look to the cross. Your biggest problem has been taken care of through Jesus Christ. Your sins have been forgiven through Christ. I pray that everyone understands that here this morning. If you don't, I know someone would love to talk to you after service about what it means to find salvation through him. But our God never changes. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the one that we need to continually turn to in our trials. John 6, 68 and 69 that Jesus asking the disciples, do you want to go somewhere else after everyone else had turned away? And Simon Peter says to, them, says to the Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It is to him that we turn in our times of trial. Well, as we got back to Calgary, hope began to have one seizure after another quite violently. They put her on some heavy sedation and then the next morning they did an MRI on Hope and we found out that Hope had 60 to 80% damage on every lobe of her brain. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So as even as we heard that news, we knew that our hope was in him. I remember this doctor, we, we nicknamed her Dr. Doomsday. Um, she just kept telling us the same thing over and over again. 60 to 80% is your daughter's brain damage on every lobe of her brain. And finally, I just said to her, look, we get it. Like we understand. Physically, scientifically, medically, things are not good. But we know the one who created her. And he can heal her. And even if he doesn't, we're going to praise him. I said, okay, I guess I don't need to tell you anymore. And um, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, hope, after many days, she started coming out of her coma. And in January, uh, they started talking about sending us home. And uh, they hooked us up with palliative care. That's kind of where the hospital, seeing us going where the direction they could see everything going at that point. And um, as we got nearer to the idea of going home, hope uh, began what they call neurostorming. And, and it's like your, your whole uh, body is on fire is how they describe it. And she would just have this, these sweats where her entire body would just be soaked within minutes. And then she began to have dystonia. You know, like when you get a, like a leg cramp, and you just can't, you can't get, you know, how much pain that is. Where her entire body was having these, these cramps. It would take like two of us just to try to, to bend her leg to break, break it from, from cramping. And so this was going on over and over again. And they were, had her on all kinds of heavy drugs. And uh, um, 
which leads me to our next point. Cry out to Jesus in prayer. Cry out in faith. And cry out in faith. By this time, we are about two months into the trial, and um, I remember praying something I had never prayed before as I watched hope suffer hour after hour after hour. I prayed this, Lord, if it's better for hope that she goes and be with you, then, Lord, would you take her? That's not an easy prayer. And it wasn't that I was giving up. It was that I was finally going like this with hope. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in my life where I'll just say, okay, Lord, that's fine. That's okay if that doesn't happen. But Lord, this thing, this thing, I have to have this thing. And we think that we know better than God. We don't. I mean, it's just like, it sounds crazy just coming out of my mouth, doesn't it? That I would ever know anything better than God. But there's a lot of times where we demand things of God. And we just need to say, God, it's yours. Whatever that thing is, Lord, it's yours. I know that you are God. You are king of kings, Lord of lords. Everything that we have around us, you created. We are creation. You're the creator. Lord, I'm gonna trust you for this situation. And I know that your ways are best. I think about Job and his situation. Before all this, I really liked the book of Job. And um, I actually even like it even better now because it reminds me of, of our God and how he works with Job, I mean, we, we all know the story, right? Life's going on really well. And Satan says, yeah, the only reason he's praising you is because everything that he has. And so God allows him to take away everything he has. Leaves a really supportive wife behind. Um, if you know the story, you know I'm being sarcastic. And, um, and, and, um, and, and then his physical health is taken away. And, and for 35 chapters... Job just wrestles with God. Why? Why has this happened to me? And then God comes on the scene, and what does he tell Job? Does he say, well, this is what happened. Let me explain it to you. No, he doesn't. He just says, I'm God. I'm God. Where were you, Job, when I created all of this? And Job, being a godly man, he repents before the Lord. In Job 42, verses 2, 5, and 6, he says this, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He repented of, of claiming that he knew things that he did not know anything about. And so, when you pray, pray in faith. I'm looking around. I don't see any necessarily any three-year-olds here today. But when we pray, we, we just need to pray like a three-year-old, right? Don't claim to know anything, right? When a three-year-old comes and asks that he might play with the chainsaw, right? He thinks that's a great request. And a loving, heaven, a loving father would say what? No. No, exactly. <laughs> right? Just a fathering tip, just in case you don't know that, Okay. Yeah, they'd say no, right? Because why? Because it's not going to be good for that three-year-old. 
And when you and I come to the Lord and we pray and we ask for whatever we're asking for, and we, guess what? Still today, we're praying for Hope's healing, full healing, that she still might see, that she still might walk. We pray for that because we don't know whether now the Lord might say, yes. But sometimes the Lord's going to say, no. Sometimes he's gonna say yes, and sometimes he's just gonna say, not yet. But I think our God is big enough to know which of those answers is correct, right? So let's not walk like this. Let's cry out to him in faith. Well, Hope um, was uh, graciously, there was a doctor who came along who was able to diagnose exactly what was going on with Hope. Hope turned out to be the third case at the hospital uh, for what was going on, this neurostorming and the dystonia. They had not uh, uh, properly diagnosed it, the doctors before, but this doctor came along and they, they decided what they needed to do was put a pump in Hope's abdomen and then feed this tube down to the upper back and up to the top of her spine and feed a drug called baclofen, which would relax her muscles. And so they did this surgery and, and it, uh, it wasn't without complications, but uh, we got through that and the dystonia stopped. In March, Hope's stomach stopped working whatsoever. They put some dye in her stomach to see what was going on and never moved, like a bit. And so they started talking about, well, I guess maybe what we should do is just open up the bottom of her stomach and then that, that, would, just, that would work. And I said, well, what, what would happen if, if Hope started to eat again? Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, but it, what, what would happen if she ate? Like, well, if she ever does eat, it would just be like very casual um, and uh, it, this would not affect it. And so we said, well, we're, we need to think it through. We need to pray about it. And uh, by God's grace, Hope's stomach started working a little bit again the next day. And so we didn't have to make that decision. And, uh, and so instead, they put a G-tube in April. And in May, she went home. As she went home, she still could not talk. She could not walk. She could not eat. She was blind. She was incontinent. And we had no idea how much, the, uh, how much she understood about the world around her. And it um, wasn't what we had hoped for. But the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. And one of the mercies that we've seen throughout our time in the hospital was the care that God gave us through the body of Christ. And I want to tell you, embrace the body of Christ. Embrace their care in your life. I don't know, but how, how are you at, at, at taking help? Are you guys pretty good at you know, when, when you need someone to help you, you're pretty like, yeah, please help me out. Or maybe you're kind of like me, right? Piano on my back, I'm pinned to the ground, there's no way I'm ever getting out of it, and I'm like, no, I'm good, I got it, right? Yeah, it's, uh, what's that word again? It uh, rhymes with ride, uh, starts with a P, um, right? Pride, our pride, no, no, I got it, I'm fine. Well, it's not fine. And, and oftentimes, God will bring hardship into our life so that we, it will bring, uh, bring about our understanding that we need other people around us. God brought uh, so much care for us. I remember Pastor Todd coming out over the Christmas season, just weeks, just a couple weeks after everything had, had happened with hope. 
and he came and he preached to our church. He cared for our church. We had we'd installed elders 10 days before all this had happened. I mean, our church was fragile. We were fragile. He came and he loved on our family. It was such an encouragement to us. And other pastors came and cared for our church and for us. I remember Pastor Rick, just the, the influence that he and Lynn had in our family and just the encouragement they were to us. Our church and, and the people at our Christian school that our girls were going to, they brought two meals a day to us at the hospital for five months, right? Like, like try five days, right? Five months they did that. The, the doctors and nurses were blown away by that. While we were in the hospital, the, the parents of the school, they, they put enough money together with, with Loblaw's charity that, that we were, were given a, a wheelchair van, $60,000 van. They just, here you go. We were in a wheelchair home now because of a Christian woman who had been following our story, who was a home builder. She, she called us up about a year into our story, and she just said, what, what do you guys need for a home? What, what would it take to get into a wheelchair home? And, and she said, why don't you go to your bank, find out what you could be approved for, and then we'll just figure it out. I'll, I'll talk to the trades, and, and we'll get you into that home. And so we've been in a wheelchair home since 2013. And God wants to use us. Either you're someone who is in a place right now who can help care for someone or you're someone right now who needs care. In Matthew 25, 34 to 40, uh, Jesus talks about the fact that on judgment day, he's going to look at those, uh, the, the, those who are his and he's gonna say that they cared for the hungry and thirsty and a stranger, cared for those who were needy or cl needed clothing, who are sick or in prison. And, and the, the answer is like, when did, when, did, when did we do that for you, Lord? And he says, even that you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And so I want to encourage you to embrace the care that the body of Christ has. Well, in May of 2012, um, as we got back home, uh, it was a couple of weeks later where we were having, uh, celebrating Heather's birthday and uh, grandma just said, hey, could I just give Hope a little bit of food? I, I just feel like she'd, that she would want some. And so she gave her a little bit, just, you know, a little, I mean, choking risk and, you know, whatever. We got to be careful, right? And so she just gave her a little bit and she really liked it. Instead of gagging, she actually liked it and swallowed it and, and she gave her a little bit more and a little bit more and, and um, Hope got her G-tube out about uh, four, four or five months later, okay? Uh, Hope is just fine today and uh, that was the first of the nevers um, that, that God did for us. The first word that Hope said was Gabby, Gabby and um, if I had time this morning to tell you all that God has uh, done in Gabby's life. Um, she turns 13 next week, uh, 13 going on 18 in many ways. And, um, but she's been such a support to her sister. In the first six months home, she, she slept in the same bed as her. And, and um, they have been such a great encouragement to us. I remember hearing their first fight afterwards. And it, it was actually sweet noise in our ears. Not so much now, but it, it, back then to hear them, to, to have some kind of normalcy in our life. Again, we were so encouraged by that. 
Well, that next year, which was supposed to be the year, prime year for recovery, Hope had many ups, but she had many downs. It seemed like it was one step forward and two steps back. Which brings me to my next point. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his plan. It can be discouraging when you uh, see what we were seeing with hope. It would, would seem like she was getting somewhere and then she would digress again. And we were told that that first year is the prime year for her recovery. And so when we didn't see what we wanted to see, it was hard once again to, to trust. But the Lord reminded me of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When life is hard and we struggle and we're seeking answers, we need to remember that our God is a great God, that he has the answers, that we can trust in him, that we need to wait on him. And that we need to believe as difficult as things are that he is using these things for our good to make us more like him and for his glory. Those aren't the necessarily you know, the, the, the bumper sticker verses that you want to hear when you're going through a trial, but we need to glom on to those verses and to see the truth that is in them, those verses, not necessarily the good that you and I want, right? That the problem with that verse when it gets quoted is that often is. All things work together for good. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it's God's good, not my good. And, and, and if we looked at the next verse, the good is he's making us more like him, which is the best thing that could ever happen to you and I. And, um, and so trust him. We need to stop looking at the way that we wish things were. Often I'm tempted to think like, what if? And God reminds me that he is at work in the situation that you're in right now. Look and see what he's doing in your midst, in the midst of your trial. One way that he is working in your trial is, again, through the body of Christ. Embrace the body of Christ. Embrace their correction. Over the last five and a half years, I've needed people to come around me again and again to to steer me in the right direction to help me. Uh, Pastor Rick, as I mentioned, he had been hugely helpful to me. I remember talking to Garrett Higby about a a situation that we're facing with Hope where she would just continually cry out to the Lord and she she could not be comforted. She couldn't say many words, but she would just say, help me, God, help me, help me. Not knowing how are we to help her, uh, talking to Garrett, he was so encouraging. Uh, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You and I all need people to speak into our lives. It was so interesting these last five and a half years how the Lord, when Heather would be down, I would be able to encourage her. And when I would be down, Heather would be strengthened and she would encourage me. And then God would bring people into our lives. I, I remember probably a highlight for me would be in our time in the hospital, a stranger I'd never met him before. He was from the, the, just one of the parents from the Christian school. He came in. He looked at hope. We wept together. He prayed for me and he left. It's all, it, was, it was such a salve to the soul. And uh, sometimes that's all we need. We just need someone to love on us and to weep with us and to pray with us. But embrace their correction, embrace their help. 
Well, Hope, uh, March 2013, Hope's speech continued to improve. June 2013, she became continent. That was an awesome day. Um, Cognitively, she started growing at that point. She couldn't count to 10 at that point in the summer. By the end of the summer, she'd count up to 25,000, okay? And by September 2013, she was spelling aerodynamics, okay? I don't know if I can still spell that, but she could. And, um, and God really started moving things in a different direction for us. Remember that pump that Hope had to put in? I, I think I failed to tell you that the doctor told us that thing would never come out. Like, and repeatedly asked, yeah, yeah, but what would happen if, 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 if maybe she needed to get it out? That's never going to happen. So in April of 2014, when we're talking about getting the pump out, I so wanted that doctor to give glory to the Lord, right? But, you know, well, sometimes these things happen. No, no, you right? But all glory to the Lord. And Hope's pump was removed. Embrace the body of Christ. Embrace their compassion. Romans 12, 15 tells us to weep with those who weep. Also in 2014, we found out that Hope's back was getting worse and worse. Her, uh, she had a thing called scoliosis. And, uh, and maybe some of you have even uh, had sent emails to, to Heather just to uh, different ideas about how uh, Hope might be able to be helped. But... Uh, uh, we wanted to hold off surgery, maybe that the Lord would do something different than surgery, because surgery meant a full back fusion for hope. And so we were looking at all kinds of different options. We finally had figured out, well, maybe this brace would help. And so we'd figured out this brace, and we went to the hospital, and, and as we got there, they, uh, they did another x-ray, and in that x-ray, they, you, we could see that Hope's scoliosis was beginning to have result in her lungs being crushed. And... Um, and so the doctor said, we got to do surgery. And I remember just wrestling with him for like an hour. In the last 15 minutes, I was just crying. I was just like, you guys have been wrong so many times. Like that was, you know, so I'm just like, who's, who's to say that you're not wrong about this? And, and so I was just asking question after question. And, and, um, and then this doctor, who I know is not a, I, I be, well, maybe he is today. But at that point, he was not a believer he just said, can I just read something to you that, that my father used to read to me when I was a kid? And, and he started to read, and he says, God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make it all right if I surrender to your will. So this, God uses this pagan doctor <laughs> to speak to my heart, and he cared for me through that. And then we were, the doctor's appointment took way longer than we had hoped, and, and, uh, and so right after that, we were supposed to go to some people's house. How, how much do you think that we wanted to go to that, those people's house? Like this, right? But we're like, let's just go. Let's just go. And we went, and we wept with those people, and we prayed together, and the girls had a great time together with their girls, some kind of normalcy in their life. How many times do we want to isolate ourselves from the care that God wants to give us? 
And I just want to encourage you, don't do that. When someone wants to care for you, embrace that. And if, if you're at a point right now where you're just really struggling, then reach out to your brothers and sisters. That's how God cares for us, is through one another. And so embrace their care. Well, hope has been brought a long way the last five and a half years. And you can see by the different pictures they've been putting up that she is in a much different spot today than she was when she was laying on that bed with all those tubes in her. And uh, one of the things that God has really given her is her mind back. And um, uh, she, uh, uh, just an example of what God did, hope, was, hope got behind on math. Like math is like, you know, build on it, right? And so she had got behind on math. And so we were in grade eight by this point. She was in grade four or five math. We're like, how are we gonna get caught up on math? And so someone had the suggestion, let's just put her in grade eight math and just see how she does. 90s are okay, right? I'm not sure what that says about our school system, but um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, but, but she did amazing. God just you know, gave her a mind back. And one of the things that he's given her is just a love for writing. And I just, just to encourage you how far God has brought her, I want to read a poem that she wrote. It was an acrostic poem called Wheelchair, about her wheelchair, and I'll try to get through it. Want to go for a stroll, Hope, says my wheelchair to me. Happily, Hope replies, what would I do without you? Everywhere I go, you keep me company, my friend. Eyeball stare as we go past, maybe wondering how we met. Living with you can be hard at times, because I'd rather use my feet, but I like that you carry me through. Comfortable sitting on your cushy seat carries me to a fluffy cloud of heavenly bliss, helping me every day to get from here to there, able to get through my day because you bear my weight. I love you, my wheelchair friend, even though you bring me pain and grief. Riding along, you will be part of the story God is writing for me. Cry out to him in prayer. Cry out in hope. Cry out in hope. For the last five and a half years, I, I, there's so many times where I will allow my mind to, to think back and, and think of what ifs or to go forward and start thinking like, what's going to happen in 10 years from now? Like, will, will hope ever find someone who would love her for who she is and, and she would find a husband? Will, will, she, will she ever be able to leave our home? What will her future be? And God, again and again, is just like, what are you doing? Just think about today. Think about today. When I think about the apostles and them getting beaten down again and again and getting back up and proclaiming the glory of the gospel again and again, how do you do that? It's because they had their eyes continually on the Lord and the fact that one day he's coming back soon. I remember just before all of this happened, Hope was uh, counseling mom. <laughs> um, and Heather was just kind of stressed about something. And, and, Heather, and Hope just said to her, Mom, what does it matter? If Jesus comes back tomorrow, who cares? And isn't that the way that we ought to live our lives? One day at a time. Knowing that today, right now, the glory of the Lord could come and we could just all be caught up in the air with him. We don't, we don't know when he's returning. 
We don't know when our last day will be. Let us cry out in hope to him continually. Romans 8.18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I don't know for sure whether or not hope will see in this life, but I do know this, that she will see the King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't know whether or not she will walk, but I do know that she's going to leap for joy before the King of kings and Lord of lords. This, this earth is passing away, all its sorrows, all its trials, and I'm, I'm encouraging, I'm, I'm pleading with you this morning, look to him, look to him in hope. Hope got a chance to meet Johnny Erickson Tata last summer, a woman who at 17 years old became a quadriplegic, and for over the last 40 plus years, God has been using her to, to just minister to person after person. And Hope got a chance to meet her, and after she met her, she said to, to Heather, she said, Mom, I'm so blessed. I read about Johnny and now I've got to meet her. Isn't that true of all of us? We've been so blessed by the Lord. He's forgiven us our sins. He's with us today. Can I just, Harvest, can I just encourage you with these words one more time? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his word Trust his character, trust his plan. He's given you the body of Christ. Embrace their care, embrace their correction, embrace their compassion, and cry out to him in prayer. Cry out in humility, cry out in faith, cry out in hope. Let me pray. Lord God, I'm so thankful for this time together this morning. I, again, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you know every heart here today. God, I pray that they would know that you are near. Lord, may your spirit be comforting them even now, encouraging them, strengthening them, helping them to look once again, not just at their trial, but to look to you in the trial. Lord, knowing that you are with them and that you're carrying them through this time. Lord, for those who are, are experiencing a time of blessing in their life, Lord, would you encourage them to reach out to those who need help and use them, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we love you. Would you be glorified through our lives, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.